Hi, you're listening to Mystically Inclined with Fiona and Mo. A podcast featuring conversations that explore what it means to live in alignment. From the practical to the mystical, we're here to challenge our beliefs, learn from each other, and grow together. And have fun. And have fun. (laughs) On today's show, we have Amy Sullivan. Amy is a coach, facilitator, and organizational development change management professional. She has worked in the corporate world in HR as an organizational development consultant, a recruiter, administrator, and writer. She also loves acting and takes the stage regularly in productions all over Honolulu, where she lives. And she is my supportive, funny, strong, loving, creative, introspective stepmom. Yes. Amy was such a pleasure to talk to. Um, I think one of the big reasons we wanted to have her on is she's just somebody who you really felt like was living in alignment and also just like is very actively striving towards that alignment. Like it seems from the outside, like it comes very naturally. So it was really cool to talk to her and to hear about the struggle she's gone through and how she's, you know, just like the rest of us, like I think any, but I was talking about this with a group of um, women at a networking event and we were like, you know, who are your like bad bitch, you know, people that you admire. And it's like, they, they were looking for somebody who had it all together, but we're still like working on themselves. And it's like, it's cool to see that both of those things can align side by side. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I also liked that when we asked her to be on, her first question was, can she swear? <laughs> so if that's any indication, this is a really fun yeah. chat. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah. We, we hope, hope you enjoy. enjoy. Jinx. Uh. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. I know this is, this was probably kind of random, but that's what we like. We like a little random. <laughs> Well, as we were like, like who do we want to talk to? We're like, okay, we like all this like weird stuff. Like we're going to talk to some astrologers and some human design people. And then we're like, who are people who are just like, you know, living their alignment and like doing their thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, we should talk to Amy. Like she's always like, I don't like this anymore. I'm doing this now (laughs) and going for, I feel like, you know, um, what's her name? Marie Kondo that says like, you keep the things that spark joy. You like do the things that spark joy. Oh, well, thanks. I, um, thank you. I was struggling yesterday and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> and then today I'm like, okay, I feel all right. <laughs> oh, good. It's not just us. Right. <laughs> oh, wait, you mean it isn't just always easy to do whatever you feel inspired to do? <laughs> oh, no, um, it's not. but let's walk us back. Cause I know a lot yeah. of your journey through your different jobs and moves and stuff, but will you kind of walk Fiona through what your journey has been so far? Like what job would you go to school for? What was your first job that you got? All right. So I went to school for, I went to a liberal, liberal arts school. <laughs> Can't even say it whatever, liberal arts school. Um, and I, uh, I wanted to be an actor since I was a child and watched Carol Burnett. Now I'm dating myself uh, as a kid every Saturday night uh, at nine. So she was my favorite. And I, I was like, I want, I want to be Carol Burnett. That's what I want. And I knew it. anyway. 
So I uh, went to college for, and I did, did an acting major, which at a liberal arts school gives you on stage, backstage and on stage experience. And so after college, they all went to Boston to help this um, publishing company start up TV station. And they're like, you should come work here. And I was like, okay. So, so the early part of my, until recently, I've been a little bit kind of take things as they come, I guess. But that, so I moved to Boston. My parents were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm moving because it's Because you were in St. Louis? Here, yeah. 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 I was living outside St. Louis in Southern Illinois and couldn't, couldn't wait to get out, but didn't know what I was doing. And that was the best offer. So I went out there, got, got a job and ended up working in, um, in a TV studio. It was right place, right time. Cause I got to work with some of the industry leaders in TV at the time. Like the guy who taught me how to do light TV lighting and run a light board and do lot lighting, which I don't, I don't even know how much people do that anymore because everything's so automated. But was the guy who did who lit the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. So he was like, anyway, that's awesome, um, a big deal. Yeah, that's so cool. Big deal. And they 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 pulled all these industry leaders in. So I got like a year and a half. Really, really good training. And then I never did TV again. I was kind of bored. So that's what happens with me. Sometimes I get bored. So where'd you go from there? I took a year off and tried to do acting in St. Louis. Okay. Um, and I got some gigs and I got paid. And I worked at a grocery store, which I'd also always wanted to do because I have an obsession with cash registers. Um, <laughs> this might that's be too awesome. detailed for you. Should I like up level it a little bit? Um, no, I love this. This is great. Yeah, I'm obsessed. So I did that. And then I went back out to Boston. Were the cash registers everything you had dreamed of? <laughs> the cash registers were pretty fun. Okay. I gotta say. <laughs> um, all the beeping and all the keys. Yeah. Then I went back out to Boston because I there was a guy I was interested in out there. And uh, I got I got bored after about a year of hanging out at home and not really getting the work I wanted acting-wise. So I went back out to Boston. I worked for the same company, only in administration, um, and did that for for a number of years. Had some heartbreak. Then started to do a lot of singing and took some acting classes, uh, and had my heart set on moving to Chicago to go try to take classes at Second City. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend in Chicago, and she found an apartment for me, and I was ready to move. And then I met another guy, and I stayed. Not your dad. Okay. That guy I met at Boston Symphony. Your dad knows him actually. I was dating him when I met your dad. And then I was yes, like, you know oh. how that story ends. I was like, oh, your dad. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm here for him, for your dad, not for this other guy. I started dating your dad. I was really ha- have a habit of staying in jobs too long. And this is something I've been unraveling lately that my value and my worth has been tied to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think in my family dynamic, there was such pressure around having enough money, like surviving, having enough. So I was like, I'm never leaving. If I have a job, I'm never leaving mm-hmm. the job. The, the TV job, I got laid off. We all got laid off. So that wasn't okay. my choice. Anyway, so um, got married. Then then moved out. I was there. I yeah, know, Maureen. You were, how- you were in my wedding. <laughs> how old were you, Maureen, when uh, you guys got married? I was like 15, I think, 16. What year did you guys get married? 2000. I can't do fast math. I'm out. Me neither. (laughs) 
No, I, okay. So I was a little bit older because I graduated I in 99. So I would have been 18 or 19 probably. Yeah. I think you were in college. Yeah. Yeah. It was really sweet of you to be in our wedding. I mean, you didn't, you didn't know me that well. So thank oh, you. Thank I've, you. I've, I've always appreciated that so much. I liked it. It was great. Um, you're gonna make me cry just thinking about it. Okay. Oh, good. We haven't had tears on our show yet. <laughs> oh, I'm probably gonna cry like four times. I, they're okay. always right under the surface. So, anyways, that's good. Um, We're practice. I'm practicing to cry more. Yeah, Fiona's been trying to make herself cry in the shower. Yeah. Right. I suppress my emotions for a very long time, so I'm trying to like let them out more. But it's like hard for me. Like I have to work at it. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you find work? Um, just thinking about sad things. I, I think, find, yeah. yeah, I think I'm so used to just pushing through my emotions. And so sometimes it's just acknowledging that I'm even having an emotional moment and that it's okay. And like taking a pause during that moment and not feeling like I have to distract myself with like busy work in order to push through my emotions. We're kind of taught to keep our shit together. Can I swear on this show? Oh, yeah. Please. <laughs> uh, we're taught to keep our shit together. And yeah. there's shame around being weak. Um, yeah. Especially if you're in any sort of survival mode. And yes. that could be a, a lot of different things. So, hey, high five. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> Amy, I love you already. It's been yeah. like oh, well, I love I'm, in, I'm in love. <laughs> Aww, <laughs> I told you. Sweet. I'm like, oh, this is going to, you're definitely going to You're right. You're right. Yeah. You've, you've already said so many profound things, but I don't want to interrupt your story. So I want to, oh. I want to keep going. I want to hear what came next after you. Um, no, what's your dad's name? Kirk. Kirk. Amy and Kirk I'm get like, married. My dad? I don't know. Your husband. Your husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kirk. <laughs> okay. Oh. Kirk and Amy get married. Then what? Yeah, and I end up with uh, children yeah, huh? because of them, which was so awesome. The best. <laughs> Get to be a bonus mama. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that was like a dream come true. I've never talked to you about <gasps> I've never talked to you about that, Marie, but oh my God, I always wanted kids. And then I never could have, I never could have kids. So you guys are my blessing. Oh, I mean, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Yeah, I probably don't act like that. So you're probably like, what are you talking about? But um, yeah, no, you. Well, like, like I knew we were good, but I was like, Colin's so annoying. Are you sure? <laughs> 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 he scared away some girlfriends before you. And we're like, just shut up, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> now, by the way, Colin is like, you know, leading the pack in everything he does. So mm-hmm. we love him, but. But we have to remember that our value is not about what we do. <laughs> true. <laughs> that's very true. I'm, I'm like, I like, I'm like stapling that to my body. So I can, yes. that's like my newest, that's my newest mantra. It doesn't, it's not about what you do. It's about your existence and who you are. So anyway, yeah. Okay. Not, yeah. not that I'm not proud of him and not that he's not awesome. Cause y'all, yes. all three of you are <laughs> He awesome. did not annoy you or scare you away either. So that was great. <laughs> no, 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 I, no. Y'all were awesome. So you got three kids. Yeah. So I got three kids. And then what did I do? Oh, so I started. So then I thought I was like, hmm, human resources. I, I'm intrigued. And I did some projects. And then I have, I've, there's one woman who hired me five different times at different phases of my life. And she went to work for um, an advertising agency in Boston. She was the VP of HR. And I was like, hey, 
if you ever need somebody, can you think of me? And she's like, well, I need an assistant. And so I, I left and went to work for her to try to learn HR. And um, at the time, the company was private company, mostly headquartered in Boston with a with a tiny office in New York, and they were trying to set one up in London. And they wanted to expand their New York presence. And at the same time, got I got engaged. I hadn't gotten married yet. I got engaged to your dad. And Kyle, if he, I don't know if you remember, was going through some struggles at school, kind of in life. Your dad and I talked about it, and I'm like, you need to, you need to get there. Just be, be, you need to get there. So he quit his job, and we... That's when we found the Guilford house and moved down there. But we weren't married yet. And I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing that. That's not, that's not me right now. So I, I asked my, I asked Susie, my favorite boss, and they arranged, they moved me down to Connecticut so I could work in Manhattan. So I did that for a year and helped them staff up their ad agency office. And then I, and then, and then I got married, moved to Guilford and it was uh, a one hour, one and three quarter hour commute every day. And I said, fuck this. <laughs> and I quit. Yeah. <laughs> and that scared your father, I think, because I'll, I, I was like, <laughs> you're like, oh, employed. I'm not the only breadwinner now. Great. Be done with work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like late, late as to that idea. So he sort of freaked out. But so I got a part time job at a little arts company and I did a master's degree for fun. Casual for fun. <laughs> yeah. Was that music? It fun. It, it was not fun. Yeah, music. Mm. Then I moved to, then we came to DC after 9 11. Your dad's work brought him down there. So started all over there. And, uh, but I got HR jobs after that, a recruiting agency. And then I, one of our clients needed an HR manager, so I went and did that. And then I got hired at MITRE, where your dad also worked, but I was in HR. And I was there for eight years. When did you do and the organizational was, development? At MITRE. Okay. Yeah. The, I worked with a woman who did OD, which I'd never heard of before. Or as, a, as an OD person, and I worked closely with her as the HR person, and we, we were embedded in our internal client group. And I got to work with the senior leaders. But she ran all the meetings. She facilitated all the really tough conversations. And she she was sort of a, I, I learned later, was like a change agent in the room, um, kind of helping the, helping the group to identify what their real needs were, communicate what they were, get on the same page, work through the challenges, help set the goals, help articulate the goals, blah, blah, blah. So I did all the HR stuff while she was doing that. And that was awesome. So I got my master's degree. They helped me pay for it at Case Western. I recommend that pro. I can't recommend that program enough. It's a master's of positive organizational development change. And so it really gave me language and capabilities around instincts that I had, but no experience, uh, which became sort of a strengths-based approach to human dynamics in the workplace. Fiona, it, it was so funny because during that time, like every family vacation, Amy would bring a book, but every book title was like, how to have a hard conversation how to say stuff you don't want to say, how to tell someone like they're bothering you. I was like, Amy, are you good? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are all these books you're reading? Are, everything okay? <laughs> and yeah. then we're like, oh, this is all part of your research. Got it. Exactly. Yeah. The books that came out of that program, I, ha I brought, I brought, we packed away 50 boxes of books when we moved to Hawaii for your dad's 
degree, but my favorite books from that program are, I can see them from here. They're by, right by my desk. Um, in the shelf. They've been kind of the jewels that laid the sparkling path for my future. Um, that, that, that degree changed my life. So in what way? Uh, it helped me. It helped me understand how to be in service to a group of people who don't know what they want or don't know what they need. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so I got to, I'm kind of moving away from that at this. I mean, I've been, I've been doing that for about 10 years, but it allowed me to um, help them, help people around me and the people I was working with identify their vision, identify their values, articulate their goals, get on the same page with what they're trying to accomplish understand where they were coming from, understand where everyone is coming from and uh, when there were conflicts, develop strategy, stuff like that. Yeah. I, I loved it. it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's not stuff that you, it's not, you don't go, you know, you don't go to school and say, Hey, I want to, I want to help people talk to each other. I mean, that's, there's just, it, it doesn't, maybe you do now, then there wasn't a lot of conversation around that. So it felt like a new field, to me, mm-hmm. even though it's been around for, you know, 40 years. So now I, um, I've had a couple of jobs out here since we moved out here. Um, one was I worked at Hawaiian Airlines and I ran a, a leadership training group where we developed a leadership training program, which I, we were hoping would be for like all the leaders, but it ended up be, being for mid-level leaders. And people who were getting promoted into management positions from like frontline, so didn't have any management experience. But we developed like a 12 course program. And, and then I got recruited to go to a bank of Hawaii where I um, did OD there, did some fun projects with the president and his senior leaders on developing a strategy. So worked with them every week for four months facilitating their conversations and getting them to converge on some guiding language for how they were going to operate the next few years after that. And then I quit in November. And so I'm giving you the highlights and the things that I enjoyed, but there were challenges in all of these roles and things that didn't quite fit. And I had it up to here. Yeah. The organizational development almost sounds like, like what you, how would you like to look at everything you've been working on and working towards is like, yeah, put it into what do I want my goal to be and how do I actually get there? Um, yeah, I, I think that's a huge component of it. And, um, and, and I think the piece that, that for me, people leave out is where am I right now? Like what's working right now? What's important right now? Because I, uh, part, part of the degree was change management. And mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of times when people think about change, that it's like they, it's throwing out the baby with the bathwater, starting from scratch. Sometimes you need to do that. But I think that's people's go-to when it doesn't, and I'm not saying everybody, but it's often people's go-to when, they're, when there's a stressor of some kind. And they're like, this isn't working. And it's like, mm-hmm. start all over. When the fact is, some piece of it might not be working and it might be bleeding into other areas, but you might actually have a solid foundation in some areas. And when you, when you chuck things out without kind of honoring what's good, you create all kinds of problems that are more difficult to fix in the long run. Anyway. Yeah. So that's the, that's I mean, the I feel part. like what you just said was so valuable and so true. Like 
I have definitely done that where I like go to pivot, but I just like, instead of like just going down the ramp nice and slow, I'm like, oh, we're just taking this fucking bridge lighting and I'm fire going to start a new bridge over here. And it sometimes is, it's struggle. To, you know? Yeah, sometimes you do have to, but sometimes it's hard and it's like unnecessary. You know, I there's another philosophy that's been guiding me lately and that is you can't get it wrong. Mm, that's very like, true. Like um, every, everything you do, will either teach you something, well, everything's going to teach you something or benefit you in some way. So it might be a struggle and it might be painful, but your path is your path. And if you, you know, so it's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to judge yourself for not being perfect. Because what, I mean, what is perfection? It's like, the, it's, it's a nebulous, impossible to define standard that, that changes depending on the, the, the way the wind is blowing. So it right you. you usually can't tell if you were perfect until after the fact anyway like true. oh yeah i needed x y yeah. and z to happen to be here where i am so yes it's so yeah. true how do you like living in hawaii there are so many things i love about it like right now i don't know what your weather is like it's a sunny day and the there's a, a nice gentle breeze and i can see the palm trees sort of outside and the windows are open all the time. And occasionally when it rains, I'm like, oh, wow, rain. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> we are having a beautiful day. So I I understand. Yeah, but Just we're like, like, oh, my gosh, the sun. Look the at sun. that. It's Aww, warm. It's it happens beautiful. sometimes. Yeah. I feel like one thing that you two are both really good at is change and like making the pivot. Like just to move from D.C. to Hawaii is such a huge thing that most people would just be like, that's not doable. You know, how was that process for you? Well, th thank you for the compliment. You, you keep, both of you keep complimenting me and I don't think I've acknowledged that. So thank you. Um, thank you for thanking us. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about the move to Hawaii, there's a thing that happens that I'm good at. And that is, I don't mean to sound arrogant. And, and I say that kind of in retrospect, because I'm not sure I would do it the same way now if I were to do it again. Your dad defined a thing that he wanted. And I, I like if something happens to me inside and I'm like, oh, someone needs something. I'm all in. And it's like all of my energy goes to figuring out how to make it work. And I go, ah, this is what has to happen. Then this is what's going to work. And then I just figure it out. So, um, but, but given that, the pieces kind of fell into place. And I don't mind those big changes. And one of the reasons is because my my growing up was a little fucked up in a few ways. And one of them is that I moved like 11 times in 18 years. So I never got attached to a house. I never cared what town I was in. Um, so my environment and my space and my home didn't matter. It didn't matter that much. Impressive. It is. Impressive. Maybe that's not what you were looking for. No, no. there's no wrong answer. No. <laughs> there's definitely no wrong answer. And I'm interested too, because your life has taken so many pivots and, you know, career changes and, you know, acting and creative ventures and things like that. Like, do you find like, what kind of comes first? Do you think, oh, I want to change. And then the change shows up or are you kind of reactive to what shows up? like in your surroundings? Uh, it's definitely a combination. I think one of the things I'm working on and learning lately is trying to 
have a sense of what I want to be the case and working toward it or like not not like mm, grinding toward a thing but putting it out there in my mind and allow the pieces to fall into place that's that's the balance I'm looking for but in in my life until the past few years it's been a lot of reacting to what's happening versus doing anything that's true no I did I did the degree the second master's degree I was like, ah, oh, that's what I want and I'm going for it. So that is one of the, that's a decision that I made and went for. But I think a lot of it has been about reacting to what's going on outside. Oh, my friends say, come work at a thing. Oh, all right, I'll go. I didn't have that idea and I didn't, you know, think about what I wanted. Um, when I did have an idea and it was Chicago, I didn't go because of a guy. But um, that was a long time ago. Anyway. Now it's more, it's definitely more weighing what do I want and what feels like the right step and move. And so it's not as suppressing terror or saying it doesn't matter how you feel, this is, we're, we're going X direction, but I'm trying to attend to myself and be slow when I need to be slow and be quick when it feels like quick would work. Tell us about what you're doing now. Well, probably not enough. Um, that was one of my struggles yesterday as I was sitting on the couch going, okay, I love cuddling my dog, but now I'm getting bored. Um, but since I quit my job, I've done four plays and uh, an opera and uh, wrote a, finished writing a pilot for a, a TV comedy series, and then have had a couple of meetings on uh, writing a book. Oh, how exciting, Amy. You know what I love is that, first of all, acting seems like it's been your constant, right? Like through all these different things, like that's been your, just in your back pocket, always there. But I also love that, I mean, Maureen and I have been talking about this is like, like just allowing yourself to play. You know, I'm sure acting brings you a lot of joy and a lot of happiness. And it's like, sometimes, especially as adults, we get so bogged down with like the seriousness of life and the responsibilities and taking care of others and, you know, doing all those things. It's like, we forgot, we forget to play, but play is like so important. And we just don't, like, I don't do it enough. You know, I can't like speak for Maureen, but like, I feel like it needs to be my priority. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you. I don't know, Maureen, do you play enough? I definitely don't think I play enough, but it is fun when you carve out time to play. I think kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier, feeling like you need to produce or be doing something like play is by definition, not productive. So that mm -hmm. feels indulgent if you have responsibilities to do. And that's what I want to redefine. What does productive mean? <laughs> right. Yes. What is it? What does it mean for a person? Um, because I, because I feel like it is at the heart yeah. and soul of um, external validation. Mm -hmm. uh, productivity is about what other people think about right. what you do. And that's probably oversimplified, but I, um, but, but I'm having, but I'm having a heartburn over over our capitalist construct society. 
I can't believe I'm saying this out loud because I think my grandmother's rolling over in her grave right now. Um, but but yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm struggling. <laughs> and so so there, and I get to say that from a position of privilege, which I'm I'm acknowledging. Because if you have to put food on your table because your child needs to eat, then you do what you need to do. And I, I just don't happen to be in that situation right now. And I have there are so many factors that go into how that's even possible um, that have nothing to do with me as a person that have everything to do with that. I was born white that I'm. So I I get all, I get, I say, I get it. I don't get it, but I understand that those are factors. I don't, I don't know what it's like to not live in my skin necessarily. So, Mm. um, but it's true. Maureen and I talk about that a lot. Um, we were having this ongoing debate about the word lazy. <laughs> so we'll ask you, do you find Maureen? I feel like what's Amy's going to be a ask? point for you. She sure is. <laughs> Go ahead. We'll ask it. <laughs> so is laziness a real thing? Should we stop even using the word because it is so shame laden? Or is it a helpful way to distinguish when you are doing something or are not doing something you should be? Or is it just not even a useful term anymore? Fuck lazy. (laughs) Yes. I love this bitch. (laughs) All right. So the question is lazy. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So when you were talking and asking the question, it's a great question. I love this conversation. Um, there's so many things that uh, there's so many things that I like about it, and the two of you are lovely. Thank so you. Thank you for thank you. Um, but lazy. So when you were asking me the question, the <laughs> word that came to my mind is accountable. So you said, is it is is using the word lazy a way to? I don't know. I don't know how you said it exactly, but like recognize when you're not doing what you sh- what you should be doing. Um, well, then that's that's just accountable. That's just you know make uh, having a sense, being willing to take a step back, see if what you're doing aligns with what you want to be doing, and then making an adjustment. I don't think there needs to be any judgment tied to any of that. Um, so, so our example was like Maggie's room is a mess, and mm-hmm. I'm like, why didn't you clean your room? And she'll be like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just, I just felt lazy today. So I didn't. And Fiona's like, you know, laziness seems like that's such a shameful word. Like that's not, you're not lazy. And I'm like, yeah, you can be lazy. Like, I don't hate you because you're lazy, but there's a, you can identify that as like, you can be lazy sometimes and maybe you need more rest or you just need to get your butt up and clean your stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess the problem for me is that lazy comes with a lot of baggage uh, because it can be used as a word that includes shaming. And so for that reason, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to use it about myself or have Maggie say it about herself, but she could, she could say, like you were saying, I, I, I felt like I needed to take a little bit of time for myself. Um, I, I, you made, it made me laugh to hear the example because I want you to know that um, I was a very, very messy person growing up. 
And if, although I got in trouble for sassing, that was the, the thing I got in trouble for. The second thing I would get in trouble for was being messy. So um, I can kind of relate. And inside me, I'm, I, I thought, oh, Maggie, you go, girl. You own your space and how your space feels to you. And if it, if you want it to be messy, then... Don't worry, she's totally on my side. (laughs) (laughs) So I have two teenagers as well. So I have a 14-year-old and a 13-year-old and they're boys. Oh, wow. Stopped doing their laundry a few years ago. Like they're responsible for their own laundry and their bedroom. And I don't really ask them to do much else around the house, you know? They're lucky. They're lucky. I mean, they'll take out the trash or they'll help out as needed. Like if I ask them to do a favor or whatever, but I don't have like specific chores for them. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because I literally just keep their doors closed as tight as possible. And I went in there the other day cause they were home and I, <laughs> I went into Landon's room and there's this huge pile of laundry just in the middle of his floor. And I was like, uh, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, it's my laundry. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> why is it on the floor? I'm like, so those are clean? And he's like, yeah, they're clean. And then he just like digs through the pile to, to find what he wants. And I'm like, um, have you vacuumed this floor? but I just am like well I guess it's his room like it's not my room I don't have to sleep here so I just close the door so I don't have to look at it because I don't like messiness but like at the same time I have three kids like I'm never gonna not have a messy place until they're away and then I'll have grandkids or something you know what I mean yeah I guess you know I I think there's so many good points about what you're both are saying and um the word itself is too late in for me, but, but I think there are, there are ways to have responsibilities and, and sometimes it becomes a control issue and shame around, you know, someone not doing what someone else wants. And um, yeah, so it's, it's complicated. Yeah. Speaking of messy, do you remember when you went to visit Kyle at college? That's exactly what I was thinking of. (laughs) Tell the story. I had a white dress on. Well, it was a skirted blouse. It was for his graduation. Yeah. Yeah. Should I tell the story or Yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I had, I, and, and so we were there and we went over, your dad and I went over to his place um, to pick him up or see or whatever. And I walked in and I was like, oh my God, it is, it is like disgusting in here. <laughs> it's it just, and, and it's like, it's like, it didn't look that bad, but you could just like, feel that it wasn't clean <laughs> and I didn't want to touch anything and I'm like I'm not sitting down on this sofa you know because I'm in white <laughs> and he's like hey you want to sit down I'm like no no okay no, but I get I get he describes it that. Amy's yeah. shoulders hunched up like she was <laughs> trying to make herself as small as possible in the room <laughs> to not make contact with any surfaces <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great. But yeah, yeah, I think the laziness conversation, it kind of dovetails with the whole like, your worth is not what you're producing. So, you know, whether it's like, you're in charge of cleaning your room, and you don't do it, like, you're not going to not be loved if you're not tidy. So. Oh, oh, (laughs) exactly. It's not like you suck. Until you do exactly right. what I want, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
we're still figuring it out. So I'm like, well, the same time I'm going to go to work and spend my time and energy to make money, to buy you the stuff that you want. And then if you leave it on the floor and lose it and trample it, you're trampling my time. (laughs) So that sucks too. That's a real conversation and a real topic. That makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. Like they're, yeah. So So you had mentioned earlier that you were in this phase of like survival mode and you always wanted to hold on to your jobs because you felt like, you know, your worth is what you're producing what you're earning is all connected and you didn't want to let it go. How are you feeling right now with not working? Are you able to have like a different perspective on money and income and stuff? Yeah. Can I go back and just add a phrase to how you described how I used to feel? Yes. Along with everything that you said. uh, So you're both very good listeners and you captured what I said. The other piece of that is, was anathema to me to not work like and and there was shame around the idea that you wouldn't like bust your ass at your job like the whole the whole um can you hear all that banging i'm sorry there's there someone's loading a truck right outside um <laughs> oh, okay like, can you tell dad to stop with the pans <laughs> so quiet right now. yes um, but there's shame around not working. Um, that goes all the way back to my grandmother. I remember this. She scared me the shit out of me when I was small. She told the story of like people coming to her house, family coming to her house at the dinner time, and she said, "Well, did you work today?" And I think the answer was not a full on yes. And she's like, "No worky, no eating." And I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Oh boy. So that wow. that like made it into my heart somewhere. So and then that meant like uh sacrifice everything for your job. So that's stay as long as you need to, that's do whatever do whatever and and that there's value and honor in that. So that is how I have lived my life until recently. And able to find Yes. You know, the the conversation has changed for me because I quit November and I quit knowing that they're like I I was getting paid out for unused vacation. So, like, whatever I was bringing in was going to get covered for like two months. And so I was like, ah, I'm cool for two months. And then it got to that income not not being there and the whole time i mean this just has a lot to do with how your dad is planned financially and what i've done for our family financially um and so it's a whole money conversation i and i there's a whole taboo around talking about money and finances but it, it took a lot for me to wrap my head around the fact that depending on the lifestyle I wanted to lead, I might not have to actually work. And it, it, I didn't, I, I didn't believe it for like, we started this conversation earlier this year, like in January. And, and I, I couldn't, 
I didn't believe it. It didn't make sense to me. It seemed impossible that you wouldn't have to work for money. Um, and it was terrifying. Oh my God. It was terrifying to think about not not working and not having money coming in because I'm working. Um, so I, I, I do therapy regularly. Um, and for, and I started it about six years ago and moving out here came with a set of challenges, um, that I was just brought face to face with. So I did a lot of therapy, uh, early on and now I'm down to like once a week or once every two weeks and less frequently these days because I've worked through a lot of shit, but, but that's one of the things that we've been talking about more recently is, um, what does money mean? What does abundance mean? What does it mean to be? What 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 do words like frivolous? Can't think of another. I can't think of another word. But the opposite of that, where you're like you hang on to your money, and you're miserly. Very My, yeah, miserly. What what do all those frugal? Mean? Frugal. Yeah. Thank you. That's the word I wanted. The F word. The other F <laughs> the word. Other F other word. F word. <laughs> yeah. What do all those things mean? Anyway, I am on a, I've watched, I don't even know what I'm saying now, but, uh, but all, all those things. No, we're totally with you. I think that especially with the pandemic, a lot of people have been confronting that question more so than they ever were before. Cause that was like, wait, you don't, you can't work as much as you can. And we're all still here. Like, (laughs) so what does that mean? And what is more important? Like, are you going to go back and work the long hours or is it actually more important to spend more of your time home and what is success like mm-hmm. is it having dinner with your family is like part of success that right. shifts the game a little bit you know a lot of it totally thank you that was very succinctly put it took me a long time to even approach that so thank you maureen you <laughs> no but i'm just saying we, we get thinking. what you're saying look how smart you are we're with you <laughs> amy i'm so curious when do you find that this journey of healing has started for you? Like, was it when you moved to Hawaii? Yes, it was. There, a bunch of shit happened in my family. And then I came out here and I went, I, I went into service mode, like in service to Maureen's dad and our family kind of while he was doing his degree. And he was flat out for like three years. So that was part of what I, was, I struggled with. Um, kind of feeling alone here and and then the, the family stuff and all of it just converged so I would say 2016 I could probably put a date on it <laughs> um, but yeah and that now I've been on a massive ramp and I'm a different person now than I was then so I love that I I commend you for, first of all, being so open with us. I mean, you don't know me. You obviously know Maureen, but this isn't necessarily like dinner time talk. So I don't know if you guys have ever talked about this stuff before, like so openly. So I definitely commend you for being so open. It's very inspiring to see someone who's actively doing the work and actively shifting essentially a lifetime of programming, right? Exactly. 
And like, we're all there, you know, we've all had, if it's not this type of programming over like, you know, that survival mindset of like, we have to work, we have to earn, we have to eat like that kind of messaging. It's something else, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that in itself is just very inspiring to see just all the work you've done. Kind of you. Thank you. You know, we all, we all, uh, we are able to exist as humans because of programming, you know, for seven years. You learn everything you need to learn to be able to survive in the family dynamic that you're born into. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's shitty, shittier than others. But, you know, it is what it is. But you don't really know the fishbowl you're swimming in until you, until you until either something happens or you decide to make a change. So it's usually for people that something happens and you have to figure something out. So there's, so there's, oh my God, there's this metaphor. Now I'm shifting to, uh, there's, there's a metaphor. I, I saw a little meme um, on Facebook or Insta or whatever. And, and it was, it was um, two metal balls at the top of a track uh, side by side. And one track was perfectly smooth uh, to get to the bottom. And the other track it, within it had little um, hills like divots and, and the question was, which ball, if you put a ball in each each one, which ball will get to the bottom first? And I was like, ah, push, push pause on this. I'm thinking through this. I'm like, ah, the one on the smooth path, obviously. A straight line, um, the quickest way to between two points in a straight line, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, ah, I got it. <laughs> and they played the video and the ball that went down and up actually made it to the bottom faster and I was like oh my god my mind this is just this is like three days ago my mind just blew because I'm like no no smooth path you know where you're going you can get there but it's actually the the downs that give you momentum to accelerate through the ups and you make faster progress when things are not smooth yeah that is so valid anyway so true oh I don't even know it doesn't always feel good while you're going through those bumps and valleys, but it's effective. <laughs> um, I have one other question. It's shifting gears a little bit, okay. but I feel like another thing that I see that you do really well is you have no drama around like eating or exercise and you just like naturally are healthy. How do you do that? <laughs> well, there you go again, complimenting me. That's really sweet, Maureen. Thank you. I don't, I don't know about naturally healthy because I gained 25 pounds in the pandemic, um, which is a lot for me. Uh, but a lot of credit goes to my mom for that. Uh, she fucked up some serious shit, but got a few things very right. And one of the things she got right for me and I'm grateful for is she, she, she never talked about being on a diet. She never dieted. We never talked about how much food we ate or didn't eat. We never talked about what we were eating or not eating. She, that's not true. We did, we did go through like a health food phase when I was in seventh grade and it was fucking torture because we, 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 we couldn't have chocolate. We had carob. We, we had like whole wheat spaghetti in the seventies. So it was like eating strips of cardboard. It was the grossest <laughs> stuff I've ever put in my mouth. Um, we couldn't have like trident gum anymore. We had like health food gum, which was like, chewing a piece of rub it was just and then we had to have she made us eat she made us eat these vitamin c pills every day for like a period of months 
Um, and they were the size of a fucking horse pill. And it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't swallow. I, it was, it was awful. Okay. Aside, and we had a water distiller in our house, which I don't know if you've been around a water distiller, but it smells terrible. So we had this like stench in our kitchen and all this shitty food for like four months. It totally, it was terrible. Aside from that, um, the whole conversation in our house around food was, was pretty was pretty low drama and she she didn't exercise but we played games so i can remember there there are fucked up things around this too but the but the good part was uh, in our neighborhood where there were a lot of kids my age and my little brother's age every day when the weather was nice my mom and or my mom and dad would be out in the backyard playing a game and all the neighborhood kids would come over and it'd be kickball or wiffle ball or badminton or, you know, we would be out, we would play. So we wouldn't have a conversation about exercise. We wouldn't talk about calories. We didn't talk about fat. We didn't talk about what we ate. <laughs> in fact, I was in ballet classes when I was growing up. I, to a serious level, and I think it's because my father that's a whole other story, but I think he w he wished he could have been a dancer, and so I got put in dancing, and I I had ballet classes three or four days every week, and I went one night, and, and um I remember this day because my mom had made fried chicken, and mashed potatoes and gravy and corn and salad, and she was a great cook. She had she was like she grew up uh making farm food in the Midwest, it was so good like comfort food. And I, and I remember going to class and I remember the teacher, the teacher saying, my God, can't you girls have a salad before you come to class sometimes? And, and I thought to my, I'm like, I think she's talking to me. And I was like, no, gravy. <laughs> but I, but I do, I have been doing intermittent fasting and I have been taking Zumba and dance classes two to four times a week for, for a few weeks now. Because one, one, because of a play I just did where I had to take part some of my clothes off. She gifted me no drama around food. And you know what? God damn it. I think, I think food is to your body what you think it is. So if it's going to be something you have to, if it's going to be, if it's going to, my belief system right now, and it changes all the time. So I can't say that what the way I'm thinking is the way everyone should think or that it's even right. But what I, a recent thing that I've been trying to become aware of is thinking makes it so there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so, you know, famous Shakespeare, whatever. But the, but, but I believe that gets manifested in reality by how, however, whatever weight or meaning or importance you assign to a thing. That is what it ends up in your life. So if food is bad and makes you fat, that's what it is. Uh, and if it if it isn't, then it doesn't. And I and I say that, and I realize that that's like putting blame on the victim. And I don't I don't mean that at all because we're we're all we're all dealing with that programming, like you mentioned, Fiona. So it's, we're all dismantling the belief systems that we have been laden with. And uh, anyway, kind of like the saying, so, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Right. So, so easy to say and then hard to actually figure out what it means and what to do about it. I, I'm really talking a lot. So I'm sorry. You're supposed I, to. You're I, our guest. Well, <laughs> we invited you. You, you to can come shut talk. me down. Just, just say, we asked you questions. Me. Yeah. No, you're supposed, yeah. you're doing what you're supposed to do. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, that's a good point though. Yeah. You know, really good points you made. Oh. This is shifting gears again, but I feel like I should tell my favorite Amy story since you're on our podcast today. And that uh, oh was- my God, which ridiculous story <laughs> is coming to your mind? I know what one pops to my mind, but what are you going to say? Oh, which one do you think of? Um, the tuna salad story, but what, oh. what's your favorite story? That's probably my second favorite. We can do both. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But my favorite one is when Kyle was living with you guys when you were in D.C. And <laughs> <laughs> he... Oh was really trying to figure out what job he wanted to have. And he was a substitute teacher for a while, which came with its own like ridiculous stories that he would come home with, you know, kids trying to get away with not doing their homework. And he's like, I know you're covering up an empty page that you didn't do homework, whatever. And then he tried to do insurance sales. And I think he got there and started sweating. <laughs> he was like, This is not it. And quit yeah. the first day. And so he was debating with my dad and Amy about what job he should get and what he should do. And Amy, who you've now heard from for the past hour or so, is like a very kind, friendly, (laughs) nice person. And she's like, I don't just get a fucking job. (laughs) Yes, I did. I did. And it has lived as one of her most famous (laughs) quotes ever. He was like, like how dare you okay <laughs> did it work did he get a job he left <laughs> he moved out perfect <laughs> and he did eventually get a job but yeah <laughs> well he was, he was coming face to face with what didn't work for him um yeah. yeah which is a big part of it a big part of figuring it out is figuring out what you don't want to do like I don't think people have enough permission to fail sometimes and they just think they have to get it right the first go. And it's like, it's not really about that. Like you just, I don't know. You just have to be kinder to yourself, you know? Absolutely. And sometimes you do just have to try it. You can't yeah. just figure out what you're going to like by talking about it in your kitchen. <laughs> you have to go do it. <laughs> that is true. And that, and nothing is ever what you think it's going to be. It's, so you have to like... Right. You have to like get some idea about it and then, you know, like you say, try it out and see see what works. And yeah. will you tell Fiona your tuna salad story? Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's silly by comparison. But uh but as embarrassing, maybe even more so in some ways. So we were your dad and I Maureen's dad and I were traveling in France to go maybe go see Colin, who was an exchange student, high school exchange student in the south of France. We didn't get to visit him while I was there because anyway, but um, we were we were dr- going around and you're, you're, Kirk is really good at languages. And so he spent some time on, um, it was the Duolingo of the time and I can't remember what it was. Rosetta Stone, getting up to speed with French and he had learned French as a kid and I'm not as good with languages and I didn't learn French. My language was German in high school or whatever. And, but I was trying to learn a little bit. He did all the navigating for us like a week or so in France it was really good we were finally it was like second to the last day we've had kind of a um 
exhausting morning being a tourist or whatever. We sat down for some beautiful lunch at this restaurant in Marseille. We're having some um, bouillabaisse. Oh, it was it was amazing. And um, but that's what your dad ended up ordering. But the I, the waiter came over and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm going to order myself in French. And, and he's like, oh, you know, okay, fine. So the waiter comes over and asks me in French, you know, um, um, said, what would you like? And I um, said, I, I'd like the, the, tuna, the salad squash, the tuna salad. And, and, he, and the waiter leans toward me and Kirk leans toward me. And, 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 and like one of them put their hand on my arm. And I was like, God, I didn't say God damn it. But I was like, I, that's what I want. I know what I want. Don't stop me from ordering what I want. And the waiter, <laughs> and I was like tired and irritated. And, and the waiter's like, in this, he was, he was like handsome and a little bit older, but like, mademoiselle. <laughs> je, je voudrais en salade de fois. Je m'appelle your name. And I had, I had said my name is Salonie Flaz instead of I would like Salonie <laughs> With so anyway. much conviction. That was great. <laughs> and and, and an irritation, like complete affront that anyone would try to stop me from ordering a salad. You heard me. <laughs> Chappelle Salonie Flaz. <laughs> I love it. Anyways. That's amazing. I love it. Bye. It takes a lot of courage to order in a different language. So you did it. <laughs> oh, aren't you sweet? No wonder you like her, Maureen. She's very sweet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Before we go, should we pull a little card? Yeah, do it. Okay. I grabbed our goddess cards today. Because there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of Hawaiian goddesses in here, which is awesome. Oh. So I think this is going to be a thing where we pull a card at the end of the I like it. interview. Do you have any questions or anything that you want to ask the cards or the guides? Am I on the right path? I can't pronounce that. What does that Rhiannon? say, Maureen? Yeah. Sorceress, you are a magical person who can manifest your clear intentions into reality. That sounds like a yes to me. So that sounds like a yes to me, too. I think that's an Irish name, which I love. Is that a, an Irish name? I think, I think so. so. And I just pulled Ishtar too, which is boundaries. Cool. So I would say focus there. Make sure you're saying no enough. I just said a big fucking no uh, in November. So <laughs> <laughs> no, when you write your book, you got to come back on. <gasps> oh, yes. Well, that's um, me and Josh. Remember Josh? Morning, yeah. uh, husband. So he had an idea, and so we've been talking about a, a structure for a a book that will help people understand their magic. Amazing. You you need to do that. You That's need so to. Cool. Yes. This yep. Is so nice. Thank you so much. I I feel sort of honored by the conversation. So Thanks. Us too. Yes. This was awesome. Maureen, we've never had any real conversations. Maureen, I, um, <laughs> maybe we should talk more. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> we should, should probably have an episode enough more often. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it was really nice I, chatting I, with you. I tell Maureen that she's, um, like a reluctant skeptic. She wants to be skeptical of all this stuff, but she's also really into it. So we just have to keep 
forcing her <laughs> or or giving creating the environment and then you know put, put your feet in to the degree you want to yeah see she's so nice <laughs> i'm i'm on a no judgment um bend like trying yeah. to remove judgment of myself and then trying to recognize where i judge other people hmm. cut that shit out but that's amazing you said it done <laughs> on that note, I think that's a perfect place. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. I love Thank you. Thank you so much, Amy. This love was amazing. You. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much. Um, I'll, I'll, it might be a while before the book is done, but... Um, we would I'll happily have you again, yeah. for sure. Oh, Great so conversation. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye. Nice to meet you, Fiona. You love too. you, Morgan. Love you, too. Bye. Bye. Okay, Amy. I love uh, her. Don't you love her? I know. Um, it was the sweetest thing when you guys cried and had a moment. Oh, she got me. <laughs> <laughs> Heck. I know, but it was so sweet. Like, I love that. Yeah. You know? And I was like, don't make me get emotional in front of anyone. <laughs> Heck. The worst. Um, but she she was so interesting how old is she do you think she'd mind if we shared i don't think she would she'd probably be like i don't give a fuck probably (laughs) sounds about right yeah (laughs) she is my god don't mess up i don't actually know i have to check (laughs) she's late 50s okay or mid 50s she's in her 50s okay fair Okay. Um, Why? Yeah, I don't know. She just seemed so like young spirited in a way. Yeah. But also very like wise. And, you know, it's cool to see somebody like I imagine. I mean, let me ask you this. Did you know that she had like been in therapy and been working on herself in that way? Uh, Not to that extent. No. Mm. And it was surprising to me to hear you know, how much of a challenge it was for her to move to Hawaii. Mm. So that was kind of interesting. And I feel like it's probably extra challenging because Hawaii sounds like such a glamorous, like it's paradise. So right, obviously that equals you're happy, you know? I mean, true, true. <laughs> and I'm sure that's a bit of a disconnect when you're actually not, like you yeah. don't know anyone there and you don't, you know, you're kind of there as support, but yeah, still trying to find point. your own thing. But I also like, I thought it was fun to talk to her. I feel like a lot of, you know, interviews you hear or something is like, somebody just wrote this memoir and they've come out on the other side and everything's fine now. And here was their process through it. And it's like, mm-hmm. she's still very much in it, yeah. which is all of us, you know, right, like right. We're, some things have gotten figured out, tried and succeeded, tried and failed, whatever. And, but like, this isn't like the end of the story, which is kind of fun i mean really the only end is like when you die right like does the story ever end well true but i feel like a lot of times you hear people's stories and it seems like and now this is the end where everything is just like peaceful and Mm. you know what i mean i've never experienced that feeling (laughs) yona yes you have (laughs) i feel like i've experienced moments of it 
Oh, for yourself, you're saying? Yeah, you have- like, yeah. No, yes, yes, that's what I mean for myself. Because okay. I, I totally hear what you're saying, because you're right. Like when someone is promoting like a course or a, a book yeah. or whatever, it's like, yeah, I've done all these like things and gone through the ups and downs. And now I'm going to share about it or teach about it or whatever. Right. But it's like, for me, I've never gotten to that place where I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh. I've mastered this. I'm here. I did it. Share it with everybody and tell them how to do it. I'm like, I don't know how I got here. I'm still and figuring it out. I don't know that you want to follow me down that way. <laughs> you might want to find guys, a different route. You guys, it was hard. I don't know if this is what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Although it's funny, like, do you think if your younger self saw you now, how would they react? I guess they would be proud of just the way that I've evolved. It's more like not from the outside, but from the inside, if that makes sense, like how I Mm -hmm. react to situations and just like my mental state and my mental health has like evolved so much, but I don't know if you necessarily see that from the outside. No, but I would imagine there'd be some comfort if you told like 20 year old Fiona, like good news you're not going to lose your shit at everything that goes wrong. Like you're yeah. going to have three awesome kids, you know, some situations yeah. are not going to be ideal, but like in general, you're going to feel like you've done some cool stuff. Yeah. You're pretty chill. Yeah. Like you're still working on it, but. Right. Yeah. But I just feel like we're always going to be working on it. I mean, same question for you. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think a similar kind of answer. If I was like, mm-hmm. guess what? We get to go to like seven Super Bowls. It's right. cool. You're going to do makeup for like the president at one point. Right. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> also, <laughs> hate to break it to you. You are not going to be this thin. So that's a bummer. <laughs> Enjoy it while you're here. <laughs> Talk to me in 10 years. Maybe it'll be a different story, but you know, it's a mixed. That's true. Get to awesome. Raise a pretty awesome kid. Exactly. Yeah. How was her birthday party? It was really cute. She had friends from her old school and her new school. We had a big like party at a hotel where there was a pool. So they went swimming and worked out, quote unquote, in the gym for a few minutes. (laughs) Just like played around (laughs) on the machines. And they all bonded, which was really cute. So it was nice to see like everybody getting along and liking each other when they had just met. I will say one little piece of parenting challenge that I faced during her birthday time was she put out the most um, elaborate, ridiculous birthday list. People ask her, like, what do you want for your birthday? She's turning 13. And this will be like, you know, a 75 year old aunt or my grandmother. So this list was complete with different emojis after each thing, like, smiley face smiley face and prayer hands smiley face and hearts <laughs> and then there was a key at the bottom that said like smiley face pray 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 equals i really want this and like <laughs> smiley face heart pray just meant like this is something i'd really like and some of the things were so number one expensive mm. number two unnecessary mm-hmm. um that a big part of me wanted to be like, okay, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> we got to rein this in. Like, you can't ask for this stuff. Like, you can't have, you know, 
a wardrobe of Lululemon at 13. This is crazy. And then I was like, is this, I, do I really not want her to have it? Or am I just embarrassed <laughs> because right. I'm like, is she, do I feel like people are thinking I'm letting her be bratty or whatever the case yeah. may be. Like, or I was also worried that they're going to feel obligated to get her this stuff that she's asking for. Right. And like that I need to somehow step in and like take control of this. And I was like, no, it's fine. She's not sending this to her friends. She's sending right. this to like the grownups in her life who are asking her what she wants. And right. they can say no. <laughs> that's it. Like, <laughs> and if they can't, that's on them to work out. Like yeah. that doesn't have to be on me. So yeah. I was like, dealt with my own embarrassment a little bit. <laughs> tried to just laugh it off and did acknowledge to some people that I realized the, re- the list was a little crazy. And she's like, I need a mini fridge for my skincare. Like just wash your face. You don't need to refrigerate any skincare at 13. The mini fridge is very cute. I get it. Okay. So <laughs> did she get anything off her list? Oh yes. She got many things off her list of and course. she was really happy with it. And like, why I know. do I care? Why do I care? Exactly. My kids have been doing pretty ridiculous lists the past couple of years, I will say. Um, but they put some strategy behind it. They do like one or two ridiculous things because they they realize that their chances of getting them are higher because it mm-hmm. just allows people to chip in. Um, but what John and I found this past birthday was that we're kind of over picking out their gifts or getting them gifts off their list. So I should say this, if we pick something out that they weren't expecting, they typically always love it and they keep mm-hmm. it. If they ask for something and we get them something, they return it, <laughs> which oh. is fine. It just adds more work to my life because obviously they can't drive it to the post office or drive it back to the store. Right. So it turns into us running around like crazy. So yeah, this past birthday, like how many times they're like, mom, it's like the day before their birthday and they're like, did you happen to get this? Because I just saw this one that I like better. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. I was like, this is the last time I'm just going to give them money. And they're just as happy with money. We got them these little bank account things, mm-hmm. <laughs> bank account things. They have like these kids bank accounts. That's it's called green light. So they have their own debit card and you can control and they can learn how to save, like set up saving accounts and like all this mm-hmm. stuff. So we literally just put money in their green light for whatever. Like it was just Ramadan. And I was like, John, just deposit some money in their bank account. <laughs> and they were like, oh, hey, cool. We just got, you know, whatever money in there. And and then they can just buy their own stuff because it is exhausting the amount of returns yeah. we had to do. And also some of the, to your point, like they're into those Yeezy slides, which first of all, I didn't think we were supporting Kanye West anymore, but who am I to know these things? Isn't his name just like, yeah? Who knows? It's crazy (laughs) as hell. I can't. So I'm like, guys, ew, Kanye, like nobody's into him anymore. They're like, mom, we know, but like, we really want these shoes. And I'm like, well, I'm not buying them. First of all, they're so ugly. Hmm. They're so ugly. And they're like $200. I don't even buy myself $200 shoes. So I was just like, I'll give you money and you do what you want with it. Cause I cannot buy something yeah. that ugly. Like I just can't do it <laughs> for, $200. <laughs> for $200. Right. Like, no, Well, it is funny when you give them like a gift card or money instead. And it's like, okay, you just pick what you want of your list of your own list with this. 
Yeah. And then they'll often be like, well, I'm not going to get the $150 sweatshirt. Okay. That was in the beginning, have... but now they, now they do. Dean yeah. bought two pair. Oh my gosh. Wow. They're so stylish. Very stylish. They're very cute. Not the shoes. Them, my children themselves are cute. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, okay. So I just kind of let them figure it yeah. out. I'm like, it's your, you know, life, your money. Like, I don't want them to have the same things with money that I do. Right. Cause I have right. these, like, these are all just programming of me exactly. being like, oh my God, that's so expensive. I wouldn't spend money on that for myself. Like, why not? Do I think I'm not worthy of having shoes that cost $200? Like how silly. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, it's all, you know, I feel like, oh, I shouldn't ask for that. Cause then somebody feels like they would have to get it. And then they'll feel resentful that I asked for something that they couldn't afford. And like, what? They just don't get it. Like what? <laughs> and if they did, exactly. they want to create this whole drama behind it. Like I'm, I don't, I want to be out of that. I don't need to bring Maggie yeah. into that. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's definitely been, it's been cool to see how they interact with money and how they're so different and how they like different from each other and different from us, yeah. you know? So it's, it's really funny. Like Dean always has like stashes of money. Cause like now we're talking two pairs of Yeezys. That's like $500 after right. tax and shipping, you know? And I'm like, bro, why do you have $500? He's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, oh God. <laughs> like, I'm always like, is he doing something illegal? Like, that's my yeah. thought when Dean is involved. He's just okay. like, he, like cause he just gambling does or something. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like one time he was like, he like texted John. I don't remember the specifics, but John was like, time out. He was like, hey, John, um, this person online gave me access to their crypto wallet. And John's like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez. So there, he's always just like the wild card. It's a manifester. He just like gets things done, makes shit happen. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, okay, cool. But keep everyone in the loop. So I was glad he kept John in the loop and like, he never gets in trouble for stuff like that. We just do a lot of like seek to understand conversations. Like, tell us more about this um, person on the internet. Like, did he ask for photo? Right. Because <laughs> like, I'm always like, the, like, oh my God, predators. The law is probably like a good framework of what's okay and what's not, you know? Yeah. But like, sometimes they don't know what the law is at that age, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like if it seems like you're probably going to be in trouble, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. 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 The um, online world is crazy. It's scary. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But to the crypto wallet thing, like it was a not, it wasn't okay. a thing, which was okay. good, but we definitely investigated it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Did your kids play? What was this? Was it Roblox that they were all playing during the pandemic? Mm -hmm. Or they had like little pets or something and then people would trick them and steal their pets. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, I got scammed. <laughs> like they told me they had a special purple bunny rainbow character and it was not or something. I don't even remember. I know I'm not I, saying they, the right words. If Maggie like... listened to this, she'd be like, mom, you're the worst. <laughs> I don't think they play too much Roblox. I feel like there was another one. What's the one that they build like houses and stuff? Was it Roblox? Mm -hmm. I don't know. They used to play with John all the time. Yeah. They would create these like houses and stuff. It was oh, kind of yeah. Fun. Maggie did that one too. I thought that was Roblox. Minecraft. Minecraft. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 
there's like a bunch of games with in games too so who knows but who knows? point being it was a nice way for them to get scammed like safely <laughs> you know what i mean like, <laughs> like a life lesson yeah that, that really didn't impact like your actual life right like we didn't yeah. only we only lost like unicorns and <laughs> she felt the burn of you know they need to be a little cautious with people online without me just having to lecture to like watch out for predators <laughs> like, no this is a real life predator it's gonna steal your unicorns so i know i know it's okay. a wild world out there on the internet i know but anyway amy was great i loved her i know me too i'm excited for her to write a book because then we'll have her back on uh yeah 100 percent. and there's like so many more things we could actually talk about with her that I thought that's very true her, and i was like oh my gosh you back. <laughs> I'm down anytime. All right. Me too. All right. Tell people where to find us and all that. Okay. Um, pretty sure we're on Instagram, mystically inclined. Yeah. Um, and then if you enjoyed listening, please subscribe, like, um, leave a review, share it with a friend. All right. So either platform, both platforms, whichever you like, do all the things. It really helps us to grow the show and have new people find us. Awesome. Awesome. We'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye. All right, bye.